Yo, matey, you just stabbed me with your podcast. Yo! Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Good voice. I like the voice. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. They're usually your hosts, but today, today, producer Ben, that's me. Hey! Hi, guys. Yeah. I'm going to be stepping in as sort of a guest host. Third time's the charm. It's happened before, it will happen again. It's another Ben's choice. Choice. Now let's see if I can get through this like setup of what the show is. So blank check, right? Yeah. Blank check is a podcast where we look at directors' filmography. Can I just right? point out? I mean, you're nailing it so far because you got correct that it's no, they call blank check up. and that it's a podcast. <laughs> Let him talk. Keep going. Great. Okay. So in yeah. this podcast, we take uh, the director's filmographies and we kind of like look at it, right? We take it under a microscope, we put it on a slide, and we're like, wait a second. Okay, this is where they started. They were cultured here. This is where they had their big break. And then this is where Hollywood is like, you could do whatever you want. But then the thing is, a lot of times those checks bounce and sometimes they do good. Clear? Yeah. Deposit? I, I don't yeah. know. We have to figure out because you, I like- Griffin has his spiel. Yeah, he's but got you know the, what? This is Ben's truck. This is Ben's truck. That's right. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, here is what we're going to be talking about today. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's a fun little romper. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and let's put out, when we first had the idea to do a Ben's Choice, we asked him, what's your favorite movie? And this was the first answer you gave us. The first thing he sent it almost immediately. We asked for more answers after that. We ended up going with Fletch first, and then... Uh, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. But this was the first answer you offered up when we asked you if you could pick any movie, what would you talk about? 100%. I love this film. This is another VHS, watch it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, this is a real 90s uh, <laughs> 90s thing. This is uh, this movie was maybe never released on DVD. Yeah, Probably not. not. It must be. But let's say the name of it. Okay, you the say it. The name of the film is The Man Who Knew Too Little. And this is the pod who cast too little. It certainly is. It yeah, certainly is. Yeah, yep. Um, what was I gonna? Ben has the blank check Correct. in Ben's choice. Of you know, course. usually we're looking at the blank check career of a director, but in in Ben's choice, it's Ben who has the. It's blank the producer check. has a blank check. And he wrote the man who knew too little on the check. I yeah, mean, he deposited it. Yeah, and it has cleared. It has cleared. It and showed. Here up. we are. Yeah. Uh, and let's just quick. We're gonna try to talk about it as little as possible. This is our first episode recorded after the election, so we are terrified. Yeah, yeah. You might notice a sort of a deadened like thud to everything right. I say. You you might hear the blankness in our eyes. Yeah, exactly. The far off stare. But yeah. we're actually we're we're trying to ha- make sure that everyone has fun times moving forward. Yeah, that's what we got to do. Fun we're, times. We're trying to make sure everyone has fun times. That's our responsibility. We figured you know this will post a while after, and so we don't want to just you know bum everyone out with a total huge you know hashing through of everything that's happened. But uh, you know I think everyone who listens. Since the show knows how we feel about this. Yep. I mean, it's um, no good. I think you, you, we probably, this is like post Thanksgiving. So you've already had that awkward interaction with family members that you uh-huh. don't necessarily like. Now, Christmas is around the corner. Uh, that's going to happen again, but whatever. Think of us as your family members that you do like. And yeah. also, uh, we were originally going to record this episode the day after the election. Because oh. we were so confident, just 
nice clean election. It's true. Roll straight from that into a podcast about Bill Murray's The Man Who Knew Too Little. <laughs> we could not. And we do woke it. up that morning. We were like, no one will ever want to listen to this if we record this now. So this is this is us a week out. So you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. T- today it's more like that thing where like, yeah, you know, you get up, you, you eat your food, you go to work, like. We're trucking yeah, along. Uh, yeah, you know, and you can't just like admit defeat to your entire life, yeah. like as much as you shouldn't admit defeat, you know, to, about certain things. Like, but also, you know, we should just you, you can't you can't just lie in bed for four years feeling miserable, like as much what's as you that? might want to. Wait, what's that? Oh, oh it sounds like some cool snapping. Let's start this. Yeah. Sorry, All right, guys. so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ben's here. <laughs> I love the snapping in this movie. I forgot how stylish this movie was. This oh. got, It starts off so jazzy. That's right. It, it's a jazzy little movie. It's uh, a jazzy the Man Who picture. Knew Too Little, I'm going to point one thing out about it. Okay. Uh, it came out in 1997 to okay. bad reviews and poor financial receipts. Yep. Uh, it was, I feel like, we'll talk about Bill Murray in a second, but it was- Kind of in his real kind of bottoming out, I feel like, uh, in, in terms of coolness, yep. especially, mm-hmm. but also in terms of like box office success. It was sort of when before his uh, loss, his Rushmore loss in translation bounced back as, you know, like, ooh, cool, arty uh, oh. actor and like fun sure. personality again, right? Like, you know, ooh, mysterious. Oh, he's got a secret answering machine and no agent and and Rushmore shows up at a yeah, bar. Rushmore is the year after this. This is the last chapter in, in like Bill Murray's a star, right? I'd say this Shouldn't is he be in some movies. I'd say that's phase two of Bill Murray, right? I'd say phase three. You think this is the end of phase three? Yeah, let me give you the phases. Okay. So phases of Bill. Phase one is is Bill Murray, young comedy star. Yes. Meatball seventy nine. Right. So we're talking okay. Second City dude gets hired onto SNL. Oh, Jesus. Replacement yes. for Chevy Chase. Yes, yes. Hold on. Who's Bill Murray? That's what we're doing. <laughs> God. No, but there, there's a story here that I think is very telling, okay? Uh, okay. The sort of Rosetta Stone to Bill Murray. Oh, Jesus. Chevy Chase is the breakout star of SNL. Yes, yes, yes. He does one season. I know. Wins the Emmy. Yeah. Leaves. Yeah. Bill Murray's introduced his replacement. People hate it. Hate it. They don't like it. Bill Murray does like, sort of these self-deprecating sketches sometimes where he's like- Well, there's one specific yes. one, and overnight he becomes a star. Yes. He does a couple months on the show. He's bombing. He goes on Weekend Update, and he sits in the chair, and they go, here's our new cast member, Bill Murray. And he goes, look, I know what you're wondering. Why isn't this guy funny? I know. I agree. I'm funny all the time with my friends. I've been funny on stage before. And then I watch the show, and I go, who is this guy? He's not funny. Right. And he said what we're all thinking, and overnight, Bill Murray, fucking, it hits. Yeah. That's Next 77, episode. I believe. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he becomes now this- Becomes a thing. This new face of comedy. He's a hit. All right. So in '79, he's in Meatballs, which hit. is a surprise hit. Yeah. And and then I'm not. I'm skipping some of his movies. You know, there's yeah. like Where the Buffalo Roam, but like his big movies. In Hunter 80, S. Thompson. Yeah. In '80, Caddyshack. That's Where the Buffalo Roam is the only one in between Caddyshack and Meatballs. Yeah. So yeah. Meatballs, I think they thought was a throwaway. Oh, here's the new guy in SNL. And it's Ivan uh, Reitman's first movie. It costs like a million dollars. Silly little camp comedy. It yeah. was made in Canada, and then it it is a breakout hit, and they go, Oh, maybe Bill Murray, maybe a movie star. Caddyshack. Huge hit. Huge. Supporting part in that, but it shows him playing a goofier side. His character becomes quite iconic. 81. Stripes. Huge Ooh, hit. Huge hey, hit. And now he's got some juice. Now he's like molding star vehicles. Stripes now was, it's like, put Bill Murray on your poster. You're in good shape. Because Stripes was originally a Cheech and Chong movie. Do you know this? Mm-hmm. Ivan Reitman was, you know, had been producing, was trying to get into directing and writing. 
and pitched Cheech and Chong in the army. It went pretty far, and then Cheech and Chong decided they didn't want to do it. Yeah. He had already made stri- uh, meatballs. Uh, meatballs. Yeah. Bill Murray was on a roll, and yeah. he said, Bill, who would your second guy be? And he goes, I like Harold Ramis. He's yeah. my friend. He's a writer. He was one of the best improvisers as a straight man, and he makes Harold Ramis a movie star as well. Yeah. And Stripes, huge. You like Stripes, Benny? It's, like, honestly, another favorite comedy of mine. It's yep. so good. Stripes, a movie, my favorite line from Freaks and Geeks is when they're comparing Bill Murray movies and trying to pick which is the best one. And someone goes, Stripes, and he goes, uh, Sam Weir goes, but you can't tell me what happens in the second half of Stripes. <laughs> sure. Because every moment that everyone loves in Stripes happens in the first half of the movie. And if you ask someone what happens in the second half of Stripes, you go, they steal, like, a, it's like an RV, and then there's, like, John Larroquette. I'm moving on. Stripes is fun. 82, Tootsie. Okay. Sporting role. You pepper him in. Sporting role, but huge hit. Oscar yeah. winner, or at least nominee. I think it won. No, it won a couple Oscars. Like Jessica, Jessica Lange. Lang I think it won I think a it won screenplay. screenplay yeah. Huge hit. But, but that's also a new shade of him. Absolutely. It's him fitting into someone else's movie, not a Bill Murray movie. You know? And at this point, he's, out of, he's, out, he's left SNL. Okay. So yeah. he's striking out. Now, what does he want to do? He wants to make the Razor's, Razor's Edge more than anything. He really wants to the make Somerset the Razor's novel. Edge. He's trying to make it. Everyone goes, you're Bill Murray. You're a comedy he star. Wrote it. You're a goofball. Who would let you make a Razor's Edge movie? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's trying to use that Tootsie juice. His seed will find no purchase, right? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd had written Ghostbusters as Belushi and Aykroyd. Set up with Reitman. Belushi dies. And they go, fuck, what do we do? The third guy was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I think, well, Harold Ramis, they brought Harold Ramis on to rewrite the script. We're not going to do a whole Ghostbusters thing. Jesus Christ. He yeah, makes we'll Ghostbusters kind of as like, uh, hey, if I do this, you, will you let me do the Razor's Edge? That was right? the deal. Yeah. He says, my salary for Ghostbusters, and he got paid as well, is yeah. you have to finance the Razor's Edge. Right. So, does that, makes the Razor's Edge, that's kind of a bomb. No one likes He's it. He's like, fuck you guys, I hate everyone, Bill Murray, phase one, over, stops making movies. Doesn't make any movies. Well, you forgot Ghostbusters is humongous. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think people, you left that up. Right. People are aware. But yeah, Ghostbusters no. is Ghostbusters fucking is ginormous. Huge. And Bill Murray drops the mic, goes to the Sorbonne. Because the Razor's Edge. Yeah, he goes to the Sorbonne. What else does he do? He's afraid of, of fame. Yeah. He doesn't like it. He kind of pulls like a Dave Chappelle, you yeah. know, sort of like that thing where it's like. He thinks there's something more to like. He goes out on top, maybe, or everyone's like, what happened there? He goes to the Sorbonne and for three years studies philosophy. Yeah. I mean, just imagine that in present day. All right, if one I of just, our biggest movie stars. I don't want to jerk his dick off too much because I feel like Bill Murray gets jerked off. I'm too not. Much. I'm not saying that in a complimentary way. Yeah, no. But I'm just sure. saying. Imagine the Dave effect, Chappelle. Right. Dave Chappelle. Imagine if Chris Pratt tomorrow was like, ah, fuck, and he went to the Sorbonne yeah, for three but, years. Or like, imagine James Franco like started painting, or you know, like I don't know, like write poetry, or you know, like okay, I don't master. Franco no, really was crubbing for Murray. Actually, he was a little bit. It, yeah. but neither of those are the same as Bill Murray. I just think that's a bizarre thing that wouldn't happen today. Except Dave Chappelle. I mean, he didn't go to the suburban, but like it yeah. happens once in a while. I think that would be the same if Dave Chappelle then went on to do movies and had as much success in movies as he did on TV. All right, look, this is semantic. And it'd be like it'd be like producer Ben getting into fashion or something. <laughs> no, that's that's the, we can't stop that baby. Oh, it's happening for the next four years. Bill Murray makes Doesn't one appearance it. in he's, film. He's in Little Shop. You know, in one a of the cameo. funniest scenes in the history of movies, Great. but it's one scene. And, and then uh, he comes back. He has like a brief. He plays himself, and she's having a baby. <laughs> um, is that after though? Yeah, it's yeah. it's eighty eight. You, okay, your Amazon list is shit. Anyway, 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 anyway. Between nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty eight, the only film appearance he makes is Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back in nineteen eighty eight. Much Ballyhooed return. Screws. Screws and is a hit. 
not not a particularly well received film, but a hit. And it, it was kind uh, of seen know. as a little bit of a disappointment. This is Phase huge. Two, Murray. Right. This is Phase Two, which is like I'm Bill Murray and I'm back doing Bill Murray. Yes. Scrooge, Ghostbusters Two. Yeah. Now both of these movies are humongous hype. Everyone's so excited. Murray's back. He's working with heavy hitters, and both of them. Do well, but not as well as Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And both of them are kind of m- like middling reception. Or like, hey, it's funny in parts. It's kind of okay. It feels like it's missing the point. Mm-hmm. We're happy to have him back. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels like maybe the magic's gone, right? Um, he directs his first film, Quick Change. Quick Change, which I've never seen. Have I've never, never seen, seen. A lot of people love. Yeah, but it certainly not it doesn't make a big impact. Was not a hit. Makes well, What About Bob, which I think is like uh, a pretty fun movie. Yes, and was well regarded and... Famously, not the best, but you know, Steven Spielberg, our next subject on Blank Check, <gasps> thought that Bill Murray's performance of What About Bob was transcendent and mm-hmm. spent $1 million of his own money launching a best actor campaign for Bill Murray. I swear to God, this is true because the studio was like, it's a Bill Murray comedy. We're no, not going to push I, him for I best actor. So he just, he just threw down his marker on it. Eh. Now, around this time, a lot of big dramatic roles almost get offered to Bill Murray. Penny Marshall wanted Bill Murray to play the De Niro part in Awakenings. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, Jonathan Demme wanted Bill Murray to play the Tom Hanks part in Philadelphia. Robert Zemeckis okay. wanted Bill Murray to play Forrest Gump. No, not okay. These are all weird choices, right? Sure, but you know, some of them might have panned out. But there was this shift. All these big heavy hitter directors were trying to put him in their dramas, or drama Ds at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really happening. But, but there was already this sort of growing tide of maybe Bill Murray has more guts as an actor. Yeah, you know? sure. Okay. And then he makes Groundhog. But one famous thing, or less maybe yeah. well-known thing, is that he and Richard Dreyfuss, the two stars of What About Bob, hated each other and fought the whole time. And this is the first time I think people are starting to hear, like, Bill Murray, bit of a brittle guy. A little brittle. And very much does his own thing. And now he, like, fires his agent. He fires his manager. Well, Groundhog he, Day. Though. He only has a lawyer. Well, sure. I know, but this is all happening. I'm this just time finishing period. my phase two. My phase two ends with Groundhog Day, in my opinion. Here's this is my argument. You can contribute. Well, phase two is short. I agree with you. Phase two is mostly sucked up by the Sorbonne. It, well, yeah, but phase yeah. two, and it, but it's that that sort of like yeah. that pocket of Bill Murray starring roles that are mostly good and or like kind of Ghostbusters two and Scrooge, like maybe not as good as you wanted to be, but at least like. You know, there's there's some there's some there there. And he hasn't made that many movies, but this is already now we're in our third decade of Bill Murray Pretty being much. a star. Yeah. You know, he's I mean, been yeah. big in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, so he's weathered cultural changes, which I always think is interesting and it, when and, that happens. And you end on this great high with Groundhog Day. Right. Which is a perfect film. A, a masterpiece, and he and Harold Ramis. And ha- him and Ramis, you know, collaborating to make, I think, each one's best thing. Arguably. And by all accounts, they had very different ideas of what the movie should have been. They fought the whole time. The they, movie ended up meeting somewhere in the middle, which worked to our advantage. It did. And then they never spoke again until Ramus died. They reconnected in the last two years of his life. No, I heard it was way, 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 like like last few months of Ramus's life. Okay. Yeah. Towards like, the end. they Really, they, really yeah. near the end when they, they went to Murray and they said, like, this is... Like it, now is the time. Basically. There's the New Yorker piece yes, about Ramis doing the of, Ice yeah. Harvest, where he keeps on saying that he wants to hire Bill <sighs> that Murray. Piece is such a it, that piece is incredible. I can't recommend it enough. It's, it, it really, you guys should check it out. It's such a great piece because one, Ramis just seems like a terrific guy. And, and Ice Harvest is a artist. very underrated movie. Yeah, I've never seen the Ice Harvest. I, like so I should it check it out a lot. I think it's Maybe really we'll do, strong. Uh, I'd love to do a Ramis. I mean, you know, there's some there's some 
duds in there, but you know. Yeah, but that's what makes them interesting. Um, uh, but the one other thing that happens in phase two that's kind of interesting because it sort of uh, pretends what will happen later mm. is Mad Dog and Glory. Which yeah, is John McNaughton, Arthur Henry, one. Portrait of Serial Killer. Good movie, really good Murray performance. Mm-hmm. De Niro's in that one, right? And uh, Uma Thurman. Yeah. And Murray's playing the heavy. Mm-hmm. They they sort of flip expectations on Murray and De Niro and Murray plays it pretty straight Murray's role is he's a mobster who always wanted to be a comedian and he's painfully unfunny sure okay all right De Niro is a lighthearted crime scene photographer cool and Murray's got a great scene where he goes to do an open mic for the first time and he just can't land a joke and Uh, Richard Price wrote that interesting it's a good movie okay but that's sort of the start of Bill Murray dipping his toes into being more of a company player in Later dramas. So my my argument for phase phase three is yes. it's a mix of some fun little supporting roles like yep. Ed Wood, like Kingpin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, right. Like yes, that's that's good stuff. Wild things, kind of. You yeah, know, I would agree. You know, yeah. he's he's all right in that. Yeah. With, I mean, the the most obvious one that I was just you know larger than life, which is, is Bill Murray goes of, on a road trip right. with an elephant. Yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, just, wh- you're why? Bill Murray. You could do any movie you wanted. The, why are you doing this? How did yeah. this, is this some one of those things where it's like someone convinced you your kid would enjoy it if you made this movie? And and another part of phase three is The Man Who Knew Too Little, which is sort of like comes out, everyone shrugs, yeah, gets forgotten pretty quickly until Benny uncovers it in the sands, pulls it out. But um, And then phase four or whatever is like critically acclaimed Bill Murray, right? It's like yes. Well, okay. So just a, a couple more things. Rushmore, right? A couple more things to throw out here. Okay. Uh, one is I looked up other films that he had turned down from that period of time. Kindergarten Cop we'd previously mentioned was yeah, designed to be a Bill Murray vehicle. Rain Man they wanted him to play uh, the Dustin Hoffman role. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was like that kind of you know mm-hmm. he was the the topless guy. Uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Sure. He was not first choice, but he was certainly Certainly. someone high up on the list. I'm sure he could have gotten that role. Uh, Philadelphia, I was wrong. They wanted him to play the Denzel Washington part. Oh, that makes sense. You know what, though? Denzel's better. Uh, People versus Larry Flint to play Larry Flint. Sure. Which obviously makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then famously, uh, he never found out that they had offered him Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story because, as I said, doesn't have an agent, doesn't have a manager. As a lawyer, well, and he has a, a 1-800 number you can call up and leave a message. This is the and legend he of Bill Murray. Misses right, stuff. right, right. But that's a key to this, okay? Because what he really doubles down on is pre-existing relationships. Yeah. So, like, Ramus was his guy. Reitman was one of his guys. He mm-hmm. never really breaks off with Reitman, but they stop working together. But he loses these people. He does. But yeah. he latches on to a new guy named Howard Franklin. Sure. Who, who made... Ra- writes and directs uh, little, uh, Larger Than uh, Larger Life. Larger Than Life, yeah. Is one of the writers on this. Co-directed Quick Change with him. And then his other guy is Mitch Glazer, who is a comedy writer and starts writing on all of his movies. Wrote on Scrooge right. with um, uh, uh, Michael O'Donoghue, uh, one of the greatest comedy writers of all time. SNL legend. Um, and starts, it, it, Glazer and Franklin become the guys that he hitches rag into. And, and they're not at the same level as Ramis and Wright. We should also mention he's in Space Jam at that, in that period. As Which well. I think is one of his five best performances, and I've gotten lambasted for this online. Yeah, you're wrong. He's, Having just rewatched that movie, he's unbelievable in that movie. Yeah, I think he's good. I think that movie's the epitome of what he is capable of. I, I mean, the thing is, comedically, I, on I, a pure comedic I, level, I think he's funny. I just, I honestly, I'm gonna put this out there, just put it out into the world. Space Jam's not a good movie. I, I, I really don't like that movie. No, it's I a shitty I, movie. I, I actually, I like don't, I don't even like it. Like I, on any level, I'm fascinated by it I'm, because I'm, it's the most crassly designed movie of all time. Yeah, that's a good call. 
You know, like I, I've always been kind of fascinated by how reverse engineered the movie uh, is. Uh, Mitch Glazer guy made wrote fucking Rock the Casbah. That's that's yeah, what I'm that's saying. Like, he so he just wagon. keeps coming back to these. And that like, movie Passion Play, he starts linking up with the wrong guys. But, yeah, but, but you he's know a what? loyalty guy because Mitch Glazer and Howard Franklin can get his number. They know how to reach. But him. also, he'll be in any Wes Anderson project. Like Jim Jarmusch can you know get him and put him in a few things. Like whatever yeah, and, you know. And those this guys. is this is the great like kind of you know catch twenty two of Bill Murray is if he's aligned with someone good, he's going to keep on doing good work with them. If he's aligned with someone bad, he's going to keep on doing bad work with them. And who made St. Vincent? Does he have a... That's a new guy, Ted Melfi. And that's the guy who made Hidden Figures. Correct. This is supposed to be good. So I've heard it's good. I don't like St. Vincent. But no, he was a guy who apparently just gave a very impassioned voicemail on the 1-800 number, got through to him, sure. as with the guy who did that movie Get Low, which I thought was underwhelming, but Murray was solid in. Yeah. Man, that movie's well acted. Right, yeah. but um, yeah. At this point, post Groundhog Day, but yeah, we're we're really nestled in yeah. that like the real lost, the wilderness years for Bill Murray, where he doesn't have as much of an identity. His and leading he's roles lost, suck. By he's lost large. his cool. Yes, he's, he's definitely cool. lost his cool. Right, he feels and, like a third tier comedy. And star Ben, now. like, yeah. please rejoin us. But I mean, in the Man Who Knew Too Little, like, the joke is that he's not cool. Right. Which I feel like is not usually the Bill Murray way. Bill Murray's defining characteristic used to be that he's the smartest guy in the room. Absolutely. And he doesn't want the people who are dumber to him to even understand that he's smarter than them. He wants... And this is that. This it's is all under a his total breath. Subversion. It's the snarky over the shoulder. The whole point is that he's not smart. He's so not smart that he doesn't even get what's happening this, around him. This and that's is, funny. This is Bill Murray as doofus. Before, yeah. a year later, Wes Anderson digs him up and goes, I'm going to mind the pathos in Bill Murray. And and make it clear that the smartest guy in the room thing was a defensive wall against how pained he is. Mm. And that becomes the forefront. They dig that up and make that the text rather than the subtext. Now, that's all I agree with you. Now, I want to ask Ben Hosley a question. Yeah. This is his episode, I suppose. Yeah. Ben. Hey. Tell us about your, your love and experience. Yeah, I got to hear film. this because, you know, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. Me too. Uh, Me too. I love him. I was raised in a household. You know, we've talked in the past about Me too. Yeah, yeah. About you know, your your parents had their guys and they're not guys. Bill Murray was they the liked guy. Bill Murray. They didn't like Jim Carrey or right. whatever. We could like, see any. That, that's the exact example. Bill yeah. Murray. We could see any Bill Murray picture. I saw this on my parents' opening weekend, and I remember my dad reading the reviews and saying, eh, "The Bill Murray movie is not supposed to be pretty good, but it's Bill. I mean, we got to go see it. You know, it was like it's going to be a Murray movie at the very least. It's it's better than someone else's worst movies sure. inherently." Because Bill Murray is a more interesting comedic leading man than most. Sure. Uh, ben, tell me about how, how you first saw this movie. I um, was introduced to it by uh, my, my good friend's older brother. And really, he didn't sell this to me as a Bill Murray movie. He was like, this is such a really uh, uh, well-written and just like great funny gags. You guys are going to love this. And... I'm, Wait, are even, you a teenager? I was probably just starting high school, yeah. Interesting. I was okay. really into comedy, a huge comedy nerd. But at the same time, I very much still in my mind, I know Bill Murray's in this movie. Right. He's great in it. But yeah. this is not a Bill Murray movie. No. It's just weird almost to think about his career and then think about this film and the kind of performances he's given <sighs> he's in the past. Good. He's very good in the film. He I is. think he's very funny. But you're right. It's not. Like a quote unquote like Bill Murray movie in the way that some of these movies we've been talking about are. Well, and when you talk about like, you know, him giving good supporting performances, this kind of feels like a Bill Murray supporting performance stretched out to the lead. Mm. And I don't mean that in a good or bad way, but most Bill Murray vehicles from his peak, 
there was definitely a sense of authorship to the movie. Bill Murray was the co-author, mm. not just because he's known for improvising so much of his dialogue, but because Bill Murray, at the, you know, the height of his comedic powers, kind of had this Bugs Bunny aspect to him, where it felt like he was always stepping one inch sure, in front of the like, movie and kind of winking to the audience the and being camera. like, mm. that's the thing that elevates Ghostbusters. That's what makes it work, is here's this high-stakes, insane so premise. Especially, and you've got Aykroyd and Ramis believes all this shit and has thought like, about ah, it so much, yeah, and the yeah, world yeah. building and the plot, and Bill Murray's kind of going like, ain't I a stinker? I mean, what the fuck is this stuff? He's winking Ghosts. to the audience. Which is, in Ghostbusters, it is such a tight line, because it's like, He's still a Ghostbuster. Yeah. And he still, like, gets in trouble for being a Ghostbuster and, right. like, believes in the Ghostbusting. But yeah. at the same time, he's like, eh, you guys, you're, you're, you're crossing the streams. I don't know. But Where's that's the magic trick. Get late over here. Yeah. That's the magic trick that makes him a legendary movie star, in my opinion, mm. is to be able to do that and not destroy of the reality of the movie you're in. Mm. To be able to sort of comment on it but maintain the propulsiveness and the stakes and the emotional resonance. I think it's different because they don't ask her to do anything character-wise like that yeah. in the movie. But I did feel a similar sort of vibe to McKinnon in the new Ghostbusters, mm. where it feels like she's commenting on the movie a little bit from outside of it. Sure. The difference is that she's not the hero character. Yeah, she's, she's the not supporting the weirdo. She's very much the supporting weirdo. But it feels like she's able yeah. to deconstruct a little bit. Okay. She's that, fucking we're not amazing. talking about that movie. She I'm not going to talk about that yet. But... um. Yes. But but now in in the man who knew too little, Bill Murray's just in the movie. Yeah, yeah. he's in the movie. He's a part of the movie. The movie's in the same happening way, to him, right? In the same way that Little Shop of Horrors or Kingpin, where it's like he's he's part of the plot, right? You know, sure. He's he's showing up. He's acting. He's doing his role. He's playing it well, but he's just part of the tapestry now. Um, another thought I had too is I uh, around this time recall being obsessed with very jokey movies like Airplane and okay. Naked Gun. Sure, and movies I think that, that really throw the jokes at you. Like, right. Yeah. I And I still have, like, such a soft spot for those kinds of films that are, like, just, like, all about breaking the momentum of the plot or the story mm-hmm. to just be like, here's a fun little, like, aside. Right. I love that kind of stuff. Nope. But I would say this isn't that kind of a movie. Well, I think it falls into that realm in my mind because I feel like it's sort of a satire or, like, a parody yeah, of, a, of, a like, a genre. But it has, or... like, a real plot. It's really it plotty. Yeah. This is a very plotty comedy. I, I mean, true. like, the whole point of it is, like, there's this sort of story, quote-unquote, that he's sure that he's in. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, every new situation sort of... It all has to sort of magically link into both, like, his fantasy and the reality. My right earphone just went out. Mine, too. Okay, there it's back. there we go. Um, here here's a question. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did this film not come out the same year as David Fincher's The Game? That's a you know what? That's a great question. Right? I was really oh, proud right. that I thought of that. Uh, That's with Sean Penn, right? And well, Michael Mikey Douglas Doug. is the one doing the game. Yeah, Sean Penn yeah, is the Peter Gallagher. They're both the same setup, which is a brother. This comes out two months after the the okay. Fincher, Fincher flick. Yeah, so brothers like, hey, take a load off. Yeah. There's this interactive theater thing that's hip. Why don't you do it? Right. Except in the game, Sean Penn is like actually, I think, trying to give Michael Douglas a good time, whereas in this, yeah. Peter Gallagher's just trying to like get Bill Murray out of the house for a few hours. Right. And the difference is in in the game, Michael Douglas starts suspecting that it might not be a game anymore. And in the man who knew too little, Bill Murray, always believes he's still part of the theater. Right, absolutely. Like, the heightening is that the more absurd of these situations unfold. It's like, how could you not realize you're not in this, some weird interactive theater piece? Right, right. But it's an interesting parallel that these two movies come out at the same time. Yeah. I guess the point where that sort of has some sort of cultural 
purchase is the idea of these living theater shows. That's amazing. Because I even remember my mom, my mom and dad, when we went to go see this, my little brother James, he went to go see The Man Who Took I must have been eight. Sure. And we saw it opening weekend, and I said, so what's the plot of this? I didn't even have to know. It's a Bill Murray movie. I'm excited. Yeah, sure. Right? Sure. And um, they said, you know, it's like a guy who's in a living theater piece, and he thinks he, he thinks, he thinks he's in a living fake, theater but piece, but he real. gets caught up right, in the right. thing. And I went, what's a living theater piece? Yeah, which is... A fair question. They tried to explain it to me, and I was just like, okay, I the guess I'll take it. The movie tries to explain I'll it to you. I'll take it from you that this is a real thing, yeah. but I feel like it was a thing that had like a very limited moment that yeah, didn't really on, catch on. It was on Vogue for six months, right. and so two movies, two one, <laughs> one hyper-dramatic and one yeah. extremely comic, were made about it. This is based on a novel, though. Yeah, which is really interesting, but then Howard Franklin, because this is my sense of what happened. The novelist adapts his own novel, right? He's one of two credited screenwriters, yes. and then the other credited writer is Howard Franklin. I'm guessing he adapted his own novel, then someone had the idea, oh, what if we made this into a Bill Murray vehicle, and Howard Franklin made it more comedic. Right. More gaggy, you know? Yeah. Um, I also uh, think it is interesting. Sure. I forgot the thing I was going to say. Okay. Um, so you I'll get back to it You saw point. this in theaters. I did. Did you enjoy it? I did. I remember enjoying it. I remember knowing it was like second tier Murray. Had you seen it? Have you seen it again since you watched it for this podcast? No, this was the first time watching it. And here's what's really interesting. I had misremembered it a lot. Okay. Because I had remembered an entire subplot that didn't exist. Okay. I thought the real Spencer, when he shows up, gets right. sucked into it and spends the whole movie on a parallel narrative going With through the, the theater play. people, which might have been funny, except I think the play is short. I don't think it's like. Yeah. Although it's supposedly they three say and, it's and a half three hours, and a half hours, but yeah. it seems like there's not a lot to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Anyway. I don't know. I don't. But know that either. would be kind of cool, Ben. Hey guys. So how many times you watch this shit? Oh fuck, <laughs> a, 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 a fucking million times. Okay, I've like fallen asleep to this like a million times. I, me and my friends would just like toss around like the the you know all the like dumb little quotable lines like obsessively. Uh, I saw this film once before. Uh, I was in Sag Harbor, where my elementary school friend had a country home. Humble brag. I guess so. And we were hanging out there, and we went to the video rental store to rent a video, because we were like 10 years old. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And the clerk, who was, in retrospect, was obviously like a huge Bill Murray fan. In retrospect, was, was obviously Ben Hosley. Probably. Yeah. Was like, oh, you know, it's great. The man who knew too little. You should rent this. And we were like, <laughs> Okay. And, and like I assume it, it's must I think it's rated like PG thirteen or whatever. So like it was you know acceptable for us to rent this movie. Sure, we watch it, and I remember I thought like oh that was okay, and my friend was like that was terrible, and he had a whole thing about the clerk, and he's like man that clerk rep re recommended Larger Than Life last week. Like he's just into Bill Murray. Like this sucks. So he was really mad about it. Uh, I remember and the, I, never, I hadn't seen it again since. But I remember the other point I was going to make that I forgot. What, no, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I also, I lived in Britain at this point, and yes. this movie has a lot of British actors Correct. in it who I knew well at, from their British, especially David Thompson and Richard That was going to be my question, because it feels like a lot of unknown actors here who I assume did a lot of TV and stage it, in England. I mean, and, and Molina at the time, he's mostly a British actor right sure. now. Yeah. But uh, it, I'll get talk about both of them, but Richard Wilson, who plays, I guess, the chief spy guy, the old man yeah. who's bald. And then David Thompson, who's one of the butcher's sidekicks, and he has this kind of flat toppy, he's yeah. sort of stocky. Both those guys were like they're they're comedy legends in Britain. So I I was like, huh? They're like a team. There they are. Yeah. 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 I remember the other point I was gonna make was the other interesting thing about this movie is that they hired John Emile to direct it, who had done 
no comedies up until this and did no comedies after. He had done The Singing Detective, which is not a comedy, but is sort of on TV. Yes. Which is sort of like a... An arch spy movie. So maybe that's what they were thinking. The famous British miniseries, The Singing Detective, not the Robert Downey Jr. starring remake. He did a radio romantic thriller called Tune In Tomorrow with Keanu Reeves and Barbara Hershey, America's Sweethearts. Man, I love Keanu Reeves and I have never heard of that movie. Me neither. But like, yeah, you know, Singing Detective is the big thing that puts him on the map. He was mostly a TV director before that. Then Queen of Hearts, Summersby, Copycat. Yeah, these are, Summersby and Copycat are both like, Big mainstream Hollywood movies that don't go anywhere. You right. know, like, there's a world in which Summersby was one of the Oscar winners of 1993 or whatever. Yeah. And instead, it's like, oh, some of you had Richard Gere that nobody remembers. And then the year after Man Who Too Little, he does Entrapment, which is a big hit. I, yeah, a moderate hit. I saw that in theaters. I, I remember Catherine that movie Zeta kind Jones, of popping. Sean Connery. It was okay. Then he does The Core, which was a big flop. Yeah, bad movie. Bad movie. Cast. Costs a lot of money. And then he pretty much makes TV after that. The only other narrative well, feature no, I makes see, the, he makes the, uh, uh, the creation, Darwin, the Darwin movie, which was the uh, Jennifer Connelly, uh, Paul Bettany, uh, and that movie didn't go anywhere either. So, like, Man Who Too is a real anomaly on his filmography. It's an odd one, but, I mean, that's maybe why this movie almost plays like a straight drama at points. It's, you know, it's a... I think that was the idea. It's like a, a was violent to, sort to of spy hire movie, a but serious funny. director to make the milieu feel grounded. But then it also feels like he's trying to play. I mean, performance-wise, it's very broad. But then visually, it's, it doesn't look like a comedy. It's got a very weird. Like it looks like a '60s spy drama because it's set in like a London that doesn't pop. No, it's kind of set in a pre-Cool Britannia London. Yeah. London, so it's like rainy. It's nighttime. It's a little gray. It's mostly sound stages. Like it, all the interiors yeah. feel like sound stages that are pretty stylized. Like it doesn't look realistic. Sure. It's heightened. Yeah, it's heightened. But uh But dark. Dark and like the theater for new people or whatever yeah. it's called. That's kind of gross. Yeah. You know, like the the scenario they have, which is like a sort of abusive boyfriend and you have to like right. protect the girl. But then within that, yeah. you have, like, not just, like, Bill Murray being goofy, but the other characters are goofy, too. I mean, even, like, the dude, who is it, the minister who keeps on on the other end of the phone, like, negotiating with him. Is that, yeah, that's who I'm talking about, Richard Wilson, right. the bald guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, and he's playing it, like, pretty much to the rafters, and then you have yes. even well, just, that like, guy's a, he's a, I'll talk about him in a second. He's a ham sandwich. But I'm just saying, it's like, there's a very interesting combination of tones in this movie. This, to me, plays out. Uh, especially with the supporting cast, like I, I was even thinking, like Bill the Butcher looks exactly like I'd imagine him to look like. Wait, he's not called Bill the Butcher, is he? He Boris the Butcher. Boris the Butcher. <laughs> Bill the Butcher is from. Uh, oh yeah. Can yeah, we yeah. can we dive further into that statement? Boris the Butcher looks exactly how you imagine Boris the Butcher to look, based on what prior to you seeing Boris the Butcher. Because when someone says, "Hey, this is my friend Boris. He's a butcher," and I go, okay. "I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, that's what he would look like." Okay. What? <laughs> Can I quickly quote one of the, my favorite things my sister ever said? Sure. Your sister comes up almost every week these well, she's days. She's one of my best friends. I know. Uh, we, she was like, wait, is she part of the? No, no, not the two friends. That's you two. No, no, no. We're the two friends. Hashtag the two friends. Come on, Ben. Someone tweeted us a, a rest a bar in like uh, Florida that was called the Two Friends. Oh, cool. Like a napkin cool. from there. I think I missed that. Okay. All right. What did you uh, anyway? Say? I got home from school, and my sister was sitting there at the table. She was drawing with crayons. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, Rom, how was school today? And she said, it was good. You know, we went to the aquarium. You, you, know, you know how you always imagine what sea lions would look like? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I sure. guess. And she went, that's exactly what they look like. 
That's pretty cute. I just still think that's one of the funniest things that's I've ever great. heard. That's great kid wisdom. You know how you always imagine what sea lions would look like? <laughs> that's exactly what they look like. <laughs> she was so excited. <laughs> that's great. Uh, anyway. The wisdom of children. That's what we need right now. Yeah. Uh, we got to shrink my sister back down to a four-year-old. We got to do it. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I will say that, like, the performances are great. I don't know if I'm paying attention to that as much as just, like, how the story unfolds. Because I think the story and the writing is so, like, just tight and on, on point and funny. But you also, you kind of like noir. You've talked about this a I lot. I do. I you love like that, detective that stuff. That milieu. You like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's that kind vibe. of a fun little, it's fun thinking about how this movie works. You yeah. know? It is fun watching its little cogs, like, click together, like, so you've got, you know, he goes to the theater of the thing and the, the, the improv, the live improv thing that he's supposed to be part of and this like dead drop right. that a spy is part of are both happening at the same payphone, And right. that's how this mix up happens. Bill it's Murray like gets the, diverted onto the, the Russian nesting to all that stuff. I mean, I kept on thinking like, I, I guess in my head I had rewritten it to have the parallel narrative with the criminal now getting into the theater. Piece. I had always remembered the thing where the, the criminal or the spy, whoever yeah. it is with the gun. The real is, con- is confronted yeah. with the fake uh, improv setup, yeah, and then he shoots the guy. So I, I I'd always remembered that because it's so cold blooded. Right, and it, it's funny, but it's dark, like pretty dark. Yeah, and I, I remember when I was eleven, being like, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah see, I just remember that plot line going on for a long time. Right. Which I think if the movie pulled off that, I'd be like, "Fucking standing O!" Like sure. if you could, the machinations to make both this of is those a things short fit movie. Together. P.S. This yeah, is a it is. ninety-minute movie. Um, but uh. It's 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 a, it's a, it's an interesting picture. Yeah, so I think you guys are sort of like even getting into the plot. So yeah, let's, let's just like, let's just take get, us on our tour. Let's just get us to where you mentioned the payphone. So, uh, it starts off and you see uh, the setup of there's a bomb being planted in this Russian nesting doll. You don't with the, know with the little animated pink panthery kind of yeah. jazzy. Cartoon oh yeah. Well, I was doing credits. the snaps before. Right. Yeah. The snaps. Okay. And then we meet um, Wallace Ritchie at the airport, and he's Bill Murray, and I, he's a silly, silly man. I, I like the airport scene a lot where he yeah. has the you know, the drawn-out conversation with the passport guy. How long guy. are you going to be staying in England? He goes, that's a good question. And then I he, think that's some, that's some good Bill Murray well, shit. It's yeah. just bits for days, this yeah. movie. It's yeah. so good. Bits for days. Ben, damn. you're a weird guy. I am. So, ben, let me tell you something about what's yourself. Up? What's up? You're a weird guy. Ah, uh, come on. Ben? ben? Yeah. You're weird, though. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Keep on trucking. So we truck on to, uh, then we have uh, the brother, Richie. Yeah. Uh, at home. And Peter he's, Gallagher. He's, uh, he's, he's a businessman. Best business performance man. in the movie? He's, I think, he's Gallagher's so really good, good in this movie. He, I think Peter Gallagher's a hysterically funny guy. I think he's great. He's such a good straight man in this. That's a, He's one of those guys who has such a straight appearance and sort of voice and tone, but, but so most just, of his career is doing comedies and upending that. There's something a little off about there's something him. A little those pussy willows. Those big Gallagher pussy willows over his eyes. Those big eyebrows. When they start wiggling. He's, when those pussy willows start wiggling. He's the best. Obviously, Gallagher's a big Broadway star yeah. uh, who... May, you know, transferred over to Hollywood just fine, mm-hmm. but never is like a star. Because he was a leading man on Broadway. Absolutely. And Pal then, Joey. Yes. Guys and Dolls. But the thing is, when, you, some great when shows. you put him in pictures, he's often kind of a, a parody of a leading man. Exactly. Like in The Player or in, um, what's another? Uh, he plays a guy who's too slick. He's the one who needs slick. to learn his he lesson. He plays, plays the fool. The slick guy. Yeah. Right. But uh, but he never plays. He doesn't play straight leading men. Summer Loving, Short which was cuts. his big romantic, whatever. Uh, yeah, he did good work with Altman. 
uh, Mr. Deeds. He's like the fucking uh, stiff upper lip guy. He's trying to wrestle yeah, he, the money. He, he plays a fair amount of villains. Um, he's a good villain. Oh, uh, American Beauty, of course. Oh, he's Classic. great in. So good. The king. He's the king. The king. Um, uh, but then, of course, he makes the OC and transfers into sort of more like legendary dad territory. But also his role in the OC is very much like everyone's like, God, we're all rich and crazy. And then he's just like, these guys are full of shit. He's good at deflating. And he also, he's doing killer dad work on New Girl these days. He plays Schmidt's dad. It's an interesting, because that's flawed dad too. You know, real flawed dad. He's playing a really good good broken, sad kind of guy in that. He's good. He's a good actor. Okay. Wallace Ritchie. Cut to him, Ben. Well, we see the brother Richie. Peter Puts Gallagher. the rich and Richie, uh, this guy. And then, you know, just kind of doing work for the story purpose. They do then the newscast of the Theater of Life, which is setting up essentially that there's this theater company where for three and a half hours you can be involved in this immersive theater sort of production where you're like not on a stage, but going to actual locations on the streets and in apartments and whatnot. And it's that thing I love where the local news reports on interesting trends in underground <laughs> theater. Yeah. I mean, you see that all the time. All the time. <laughs> I, whenever I turn on uh, ABC7 Eyewitness News, they're always talking about the new shows at La Mama. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, so uh, so he- Wallace then, uh, you know, uh, arrives at his brother's home. He surprises surprise. him. It's, it's his birthday. His, it's Bill Murray's character's birthday. Yes. Which is an odd move to show up for your own birthday. This is, is the surprise. biggest stretch. Weirdly, this is the biggest plot stretch in a movie that has to jump a lot of narrative hoops. And then he's like really pissed, or not pissed, but like bummed that Peter Gallagher doesn't want to hang out because Peter Gallagher's got this like big business this, deal yeah, to just, land. Like, you didn't show up out of the blue. Yeah. The sweaty justification is Peter Gallagher sent his brother money for his birthday, which is right. clearly a condescending move of, I don't know if you're doing that well, I'm going to give you money because I sure. assume you need some help. Bill Murray chooses to take that money and spend it to go visit his brother in London unannounced, apparently gets on a flight right away the second the money arrives, because you have to imagine if he sent it for his birthday, That's it either true. arrived that morning or maybe a night early. I guess he just goes to Des Moines Airport and is like, hey, where's your next flight to London? <laughs> to, Plop down got the, the money. envelope, yeah. immediately hailed a cab, went to London, right? I'm, sorry, I'm making this sort of like bemused expression and, yeah. and no one can see it, but yeah, go uh, on. For the listeners at home, David looks very bemused. So bemused. I'm nonplussed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Those famous Sims pussy willows are furrowed. <laughs> um, shows up at the doorstep and Peter Gallagher's like, first of all, you don't even call. Second of all, you picked arguably... The biggest night of my life. Terrible. Wait, 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 I'm uh, wait, hosting wait. all these Germans. Business getting a classic bit, which well, is- This is my favorite bit in the entire movie. Or did we talk about when he picks up the maid and he starts <laughs> oh, rocking no, her and no, goes, no, no. oh, I thought you were going to get married to this stuffy, stuck-up British you know, yeah, woman. Yeah, and, and a chancellor. Yeah, no, no, what was the he bit was talking Consuela. Yeah. My favorite bit in the entire movie is he shows up. Peter Gallagher plays the scene very well. Because he's very excited to see his brother. He is happy to see him. And then the sister, the, his the sister, his wife reminds him that uh, he's got the Germans come over. He got this right. big presentation, <laughs> and a chancellor, famous right. British actor. And he very gently says, "You know, I mean, I don't think she. Well, invite him over for the dinner." She goes, oh, "Look, I don't think Wally's really the kind of guy. Sure, he's a fun guy. You need someone with a sense of humor." Like, a lot of movies like this would be like, my brother's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of going like, look, Wally's a specific taste. Right, and right, I don't right. know if I can drop him into this environment. Right. And she goes, well, you'll have things to talk about. Don't you work in the film industry? Oh, and this yeah. is the bit I remember. I lost sure. it at this in the uh-huh. movie. He works at a blockbuster in Des Moines, right. Iowa. And the family joke is that he works in the movie industry. Right. Which keeps on coming up. 
Uh, I just thought that was such a funny. <laughs> I also like that they're like, well, you know, it's like a, it's like a joke. You know, yeah. it's like a funny joke. But but the sister clearly, he's never talked about the brother because the brother's kind of a black sheep, a black sheep who he loves. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about this, though, this is kind of a film about the the, the traditional uh, British concept that Americans don't understand irony. Yes. Reverse. Interesting. This is like a a movie where he where he goes to Britain. And nobody gets his jokes. Everyone just takes him seriously. Because isn't that kind of the point of the movie is like, no matter what Bill Murray does, everyone from like other spies to the British intelligence agencies to terrorists, like they all just take him totally seriously. Yeah. And uh, as does uh, his sister-in-law here, you know, she's like, oh, you're in the film industry. Yeah. It's also- I'm I'm with Blockbuster. Like even just the way he says it too. Oh. God, it makes me laugh. Um, it, it's a movie about confidence too, which is interesting. I mean, they kind of they they tell don't show this, and mm-hmm. it doesn't end up really being an emotional arc to the movie. Mm-hmm. But Peter Gallagher sets up that like he always wanted to be an actor. He got the lead role in the play, and he froze up and he forgot all his lines. This guy's now working at a blockbuster. You get the sense that he loves movies, he loves acting, he loves all this stuff, but kind of gave up on him being able to ever do any of it. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that he has a situation without an audience for the first time gives him the confidence to feel like he can live out the type of life he always wanted to live. Right. And even though he's constantly admitting to everyone he comes into contact with, like, this is a play, I'm just playing the part, like, saying all the stuff. Yeah, he's all the time being like, hey, can I break character for a second? And everyone just sort of ignores it. And he's being vulnerable. It's not like he's playing macho stud the whole time. But the fact that he's so strong in his convictions, which in context to them looks like a fearlessness and right. a certain guile. Yeah. Makes everyone open the doors and just go, I mean, let him do what he wants. I can't I don't know how to fight with yeah. this guy. Yeah. You know, not to, That's sort of a funny gag. Not to trumpet too much, but it's like how do you fight with a guy who's playing a different game than everyone else? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't fight. You're playing chess, he's playing checkers. That's a good way to put it. You're on You're the playing same board. Chess, he's playing checkers. You yes. know, but he's, that's the thing. Yeah. Right. He never seems confident he's in the movie. He's playing one dimensional chess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh you're right. It's You're it's right. interesting. Yeah, it is. It's it's funny too. Okay, so the brother remembers the newscast. They're looking for a play for him to go see. The big thing is, oh, that's three and a half hours. Yes, yeah, so they're like perfect. He'll be out of the house for a long time. Yeah. Boom! So, you jump to that phone booth. Hell's yeah! All right. Talked about the phone booth. They and, set up. Uh, you know. Remember our, to flush. Remember to flush. Always remember to flush. Here's the address. Your name's Spencer. Right. His name's Spencer. And then they set up also that later on. That Brother Richie and, and, and Wallace will have two Cubans, two cigars. Wallace, Ambassador. Wallace, Ambassador. by the way, is uh, Bill Murray's name. Yeah. And uh, the brother is James Richie. Yes, and the that, Richie brother. This is a character detail that makes it clear that fucking Peter Gallagher isn't just the shirt in this movie. You know? Sure. He loves his brother. He hates that he's not able to spend the birthday with the brother. Yeah. And he's like, you got to let me do this. But I promise at the end of the night, before midnight, I like that he points that out. He's mm-hmm. like- it's got to be. He's like at it's midnight. Be before midnight, it's my birthday. He's like right, eleven fifty nine. The latest. Come right. on. And of course, yeah, we should say, yeah. There's a two brothers undercurrent cigars. to the film is Peter Gallagher's little arc of like realizing, like, I don't have fun anymore, and you know what, my job's really stifling me, and you know that. He's got the emotional arc in the movie. Yeah, it's true because Bill Murray basically he's like just unchanged. goes through the whole thing. Yeah. He's like Mr. Magoo, just walking well, around the Bill buildings and the, gets and the things. Three million dollars yeah. and right. a girlfriend right. from this movie, but right. his personality and outlook are not changed. Right, it's the thing where Mr. Magoo would walk through the construction site, and you think he's about to walk off the end of the building, and then a steel beam comes up and lands just at the right time. Right, it's like he's never changing. It's the world is somehow yeah, shifting it's around. It's a good him. movie star movie. It is. 
it's it's interesting because it's so uh, out of place with the persona he had established at that point. But it is very much a movie star movie. So the then then the plot happens. Correct. It's uh, too much well, plot for us to explain everything. But no, oh, there's way too ready. much plot. But, for, it's too much plot uh, for but, us to explain, not not too much for Ben to That's explain. true. Okay, so we're going to go right to the mugger scene, okay? Because he's oh. going to the apartment, right, to start playing out this living theater thing. And he's on the streets. These two guys approach him. They give me your money, right? First screen appearance of Eddie Marzen, the great Eddie Marzen, playing thug number one. And so at first he's scared, and then he laughs in their face. And so thus kind of setting the tone of the movie of where Bill Murray doesn't realize that these real things that are happening around him are not just some fucking play. Yep. And it's so fucking funny just to see him, like, play out these scenes. Like, my favorite thing is where he he does two versions of sort of, like, his monologue before giving his wallet away. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's so funny. Yes, like got reset. Just got a couple it. of kids. <laughs> just a couple of kids. And he also gets really into, like, you know, he's going to put his sunglasses on before he enters a room because he's got this idea of who the character is. Right. 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 Um, other kind of just like, we're just going to jump ahead. Like, then he gets to the apartment and this is where we sort of meet the, uh, the, the girl of the movie, the female, uh, the femme fatale, the femme fatale, yeah, who is played by Joanne Whaley, Wally, Wally, mm. Whaley. Who, who's she? Does she do other? You stuff? know, she's a British actress. Yeah, she's most famous for being married to Val Kilmer for eight years. Oh, during that's his famous, where I know her name. Interesting, because uh, they made Willow together. Interesting. Oh. Uh, what else has she been? You know, she's kind of a British TV actress more than anything else. But for a while, she was called. Joanne Whaley, Whaley Kilmer. Kilmer. Huh. And this is actually the first movie post-Kilmer. Interesting. I think she's super great in this movie. I think she's... I have a, I definitely have a little bit of a crush on her, too, still. This movie is like some kind of like urtext for Ben's <laughs> so personality. Weird. It is the weirdest thing. I think this... And I want to say, uh, frequent guest and great friend of the show, Emily Yoshida. Uh-huh. And we talked... I think we talked about it on... Mother maybe, of Blankies, yeah. Mother of Blankies. She loves this movie. And really? she wanted to be on this episode, but I feel like, you know, she was just on yeah, an episode. Right, like, yeah. Um, she was just on four hours of Titanic. <laughs> yeah, Pump. we can't ask her to be in that little room again <laughs> yeah, for so, a little while at least. So, but, um, but you know, there are people who, and like for some, it was just some movie that I guess her, yeah. her and her mother could agree on. Or so, I can't remember. It was something like that. But uh, there are people who really hold on to this movie. And this movie was a nothing when it came out. Well, I was a on, total nothing. I was on a plane with my mom last night, and she was like, what are you going to do on the plane? And you, you load a movie onto your Amazon Fire Kindle? And I was like, yeah, I did. I got to watch uh, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little for, for the podcast tomorrow. And she went, the Bill Murray movie? And I went, yeah. And she went, that one? You're talking about that on the podcast? And I had to explain, like, because <laughs> she knows, yeah, she hasn't listened to the show, yeah. thank God. But she knows the basic idea of what our show is. And she goes, how does that fit into anything you would ever talk about? And I it's go, it's a fair question. We let Ben choose. <laughs> and I tried to even explain Ben to her. And I couldn't. I went, look, if you met him for four minutes, you would You'd immediately understand why we're talking about this movie. Ben's like, look. And she wasn't being reductive to the movie. She went, like, no. I remember that movie. It's fun. But, like, I understand why you would single out that movie to talk about look, on the podcast. If we're like a pitching roster, you <laughs> yeah. know. Griffin and I, we're throwing fastballs, we're throwing curveballs, we're yeah. throwing changeups. You know, yeah. we're, we're even we're, sometimes throwing mad balls. Yeah, we've got a repertoire. Mad but balls, nineties toy craze, mad balls. No, merchandise uh, spotlight throwing mad balls. <laughs> ben is like a knuckleball. <laughs> 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 he like comes in and we're like, you know, we don't know where this is gonna end up in the. You know, I don't know. I, I can't even set the strike zone with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
measuring knuckleball. You think the ball's going to go this way, but then it's like, whoop. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. Okay. Uh, I'm now looking at mad balls. Uh, this one passed me by. They were cool. They were balls and they looked really gross. It was like a, a head with like snot coming out Remember of Remember when that was like a chief way to appeal to kids? It's like, grosser. <laughs> like, grosser. I want to make America gross this again. sort of Ren and Stimpy kind of era. I, I look at kids shit and I think it's too sleek now. I think kids shit's too concerned with being cool, whereas it used to be concerned with being gross. And I love that whole mentality of like, this isn't for parents. Parents are going to be grossed out. Kids, you speak the language. You know? Yeah. Like it was fucking, board games would be based around like fucking snot and vomit. Toys were all like pussy and shit. Uh, Yeah. Slime. Gak. Floam. Gak. Gak was big. All right. So, sorry, just. Queasy Bake Oven. Uh, Easy Bake Oven for boys. It was queasy. Okay, so. um, Chocolate dirt cake with worms. Enough. So we'll Here just, we go. Here we'll go. just get back into it. Um, <laughs> he, he, he meets the femme fatale. They have a little kind of exchange. At this point in the movie, I feel like they're really like trying to hit you over the head with like her misinterpreting him. Yes. Yeah. It's a little, I don't the know. The early part, you're kind of like, yeah, I get it. They're and playing it's slow. it real hard. Yeah. And yeah. There's, all, there's the flush jokes, which I don't think are funny. Uh, flushing yeah. a toilet isn't quite enough for but me to laugh. But the absurdity stuff yeah. plays so well. Like, even just, like, what's your name? They just said Spencer. Like, I love that. I love that, like, those weird, like, mm. where he's just trying to, like, stay in the reality of the play, but, like, what the the person in the real world is interpreting is, like, sure. what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, well, and I guess the other thing I can see appealing to you is, like, the precision of the miscommunication, because in order for a movie like this to work, every line has to be able to be seen from two different angles. The duality, and I think right. that really holds up for the most part throughout the movie. I, think, I, I agree. They make it through most of the film without it getting kind of sweaty. Yeah. Uh, another favorite part in this scene. And, like, again, I mean, this movie plays out kind of how you would imagine. It's, like, super straightforward for the most part. It's just, like, a lot of hijinks working up towards this bomb sort of, like, big, yeah, so like, uh, moment at the end of the film. In lieu of doing the whole plot, which is a ridiculous Right, we can't, we can't go through Is it. there, I mean, I like the car chase scene a lot. I think it's really, that's, I like the way Bill Murray's breaking the reality there where he's just, like, impressed with the technical proficiency of the car chase. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, what, what's, what's, what are some... Well, it has some... my favorite line in the movie, too. Which is? Which is, uh, uh, Bill Murray is, like, he, well, I mean, the, they're, all my favorite lines are in this scene, actually, in the car chase. Okay. But he's, like, swerving between the traffic cones and, like, just making a meal out of it and doing everything he'd ever want to do in a car chase, right? Right, right, right. And, I, I, oh, and he goes, like, this must cost you a fortune. There's no way they can be making a profit on this. Because <laughs> he's going, like, they have to buy the traffic cones. They have to clear yeah. off the blocks. And he just decides to, after swerving through the traffic yeah, he cones, clips just them off, clip yes, them off, and the they all line. pop yeah. off. And he goes, God, I always wanted to do that. And they cut to the police car. Oh, and the one great. guy sort of ruefully goes, I always want to do that. <laughs> yeah, and then it great. pans over to the guy in the driver's seat, and he goes, I always want to do that, too. <laughs> and it just looks so fun. It looks so fun. And that all three of them specifically had had this fantasy right. in their life, driving down the street, being well, like, then, wouldn't it be fun to do and that? And also, the movie does it so well, you're like, yeah, that does look fun. It yeah. looks so much fun when they fucking do it. I, I will never drive. I don't like driving as a theory. I, I've never driven at all. I like driving. But I watch this, and I'm like, man, it'd be cool to learn how to drive just so I could do that. Um, and then retire from the game. So I'll say some yeah, uh, ben, another some favorite moment. Like? Lori and Bill Murray are driving and he goes, Are you crying? How do you people do it? <laughs> Wait, do you poke yourself in the eye or do, hold on, do you think 
my dog is dead. <laughs> like, I, God damn it, man, it makes me still laugh, like, to this day, and I've seen this movie a million fucking times. But, I mean, like, the best- Or do you poke yourself in the eye? Yeah. The best thing is the is the whole Russian dancing, yeah. like, it, the movie- David, wait, wait, I don't trust you. Hold, hold on. I don't trust you. <laughs> This is just like the Fletch episode where Ben's just like making himself <laughs> laugh with its own lines. Oh. The movie's best when it's juggling the most balls, I would say. Like, I so that's or why juggling I, the most Russian nesting dolls. Indeed. So like that's why like the early scenes with just him and the girl, Lori, yeah. are you know, you're like, okay. But like the you know, the more layers you add on to this, the better it is. It also I think the funniest moments are when you have other characters commenting on like this guy's unbelievable. Yeah, well I really like that scene. So you've got Alfred Molina, a younger Alfred Molina yeah. playing Boris the Butcher, who's looking like exactly an how you imagine a him. sea lion would look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the scene where Bill Murray like accidentally takes out the two henchmen yeah. while he's tied to the hotel chair. And they're just like, yeah, you know, like, well, like even what the lead up even to that do? Yeah, is yeah. great physical Bill Murray behavioral comedy where he's got his allergies acting up, which they've set up. Yeah, they've set it they've up. Set, they layered it they in. And not just it didn't feel like foreshadowing. And now he's like hacking and coughing right. and needs his nays and X while they're uh, right. So he gets John Thompson. Is that game Kerplunk? They are playing Kerplunk, okay. which is a, a marble version of Jenga, essentially. Right. Um, it's more fun to say, too. Definitely. And so John Thompson, yeah. who any British person probably knows from The Fast Show. Have no. you ever heard of The Fast Show? No, humble brag. Great sketch show from the, I mean, yeah, just great. Okay. It's a, it's such an innocuous name that there are one million John Thompsons, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's so funny. I love him. And uh, he's the one who, yeah, who has to squeeze the uh, the nasal spray. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not right, it's not right, and he ends up accidentally knocking the two guys out. And and, and while it's all happening, Bill Murray's like, terrific, wow, this is great. Like, and they slip on the marbles, yeah. like, he's like, he, he just thinks it's all these elaborate studs. Now, a little <laughs> fun little moment in that part is when then he knocks into one of the passed out henchmen, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Like, like he is still thinking, like, he, oh, I bumped into this yeah, guy by yeah, accident. Yes. I'm so sorry about that. Well, that's the other scene I really like is when they come across Spencer's dead body. And he's oh, just God. amazed at how well the guy's able to stand still. And in his mind, it's just this guy's really good at playing dead. And right, she's right. horrified, and she immediately goes into, like, shock seeing a dead body. Right. And she just thinks he's such a cold-blooded motherfucker. Right. Cause he's, yeah, he's just, like, inspecting this dead body right. with she total says, ease. Right. She says, like, I've never seen a dead body before. And he's like, please, I've seen this a thousand times. And then he's trying to catch him throwing the, the ashtray at him, saying thing, turn around, going boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> I like this movie. Yeah. Good dead body bit, man. Yeah. This is kind of exactly the movie I need to see in the in the state of the world. Right yeah, now. I saw it before actually. Yeah, yeah it's just like uh, it gets your mind off of stuff. <laughs> hey, fuck it, we're jumping around. I'll say, okay. um, yeah, no, we just got to jump around, yeah. guys. Yeah, gotta jump around. Chris, uh, in the words of Chris Christ, you got to jump around. Oh, okay. I know what I wanted to talk about. It's where uh, brother Richie uh-huh. is calling the theater of life people. Yes, because he's like. I need an extension. My brother's, you know, ruining this oh, dinner with the yeah. Germans. And so he calls. But what happens is the real police has shown up to the offices. And so they're like answering the oh. calls. Right. And there's this, this like, is a great confusion of yeah. who's the cop, who's the actor, who's in this. character, who isn't. It's similar to the there's something about Mary uh, scene where the cops are interrogating him about, and he thinks he's being interrogated yes. about picking up hitchhikers. Which is a great scene. I just love that joke always where always. the cops are like, 
what's the matter with you? You yeah. know, like, and he's just Sick, like, all right, disgusting all right. monster. <laughs> right, but, and they think he's bribing them because he's like, like, how much would it cost to get another hour out of this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really need to stall. And it gives Peter Gallagher some fun stuff to right, do. Right. right, and they keep on going like, are you trying to bribe us? And he's like, yeah, if that's the terminology I have to use. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to bribe you. You know, like he keeps on calling him Shakespeare. But then it gets to a point where he's just like ma- like talking about why he doesn't like British people. Yeah. You fotsy little. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And then, and then it's- This is his awakening. It's maybe the best pure joke of the movie is when the the police officer uh, who gets off the phone is just is like, I don't know what to say. The guy's American, you know? Yeah, right, right. And then right. he goes over to a cop and he goes, tell me you were recording that phone call. And she goes, <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm an, an actor. actor. <laughs> <laughs> he walks over to another cop. Yeah, and this one continuous shot. He goes, tell me you were recording that phone call. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Good and then so oh he, fuck even the SWAT team remember he like he he does the bit where he's like oh shit my brother's in trouble I have to go out for some ports and the yeah. car keys and then later the SWAT team shows up and uh, you know it's even yeah, like the port and the car keys is a good is well a good no line. but it's yeah. like setting up this whole thing where like misinformation like the maid says Mister Richie go to port and they're like closing all the ports <laughs> right, in the whole right. country like. But there's also, I like the setup of, you know, he goes, uh, I need to uh, get another bottle of port. And then she goes, we already have a bottle of port here. And he goes, yes, but the thing is, I have to go down to the basement and it's dark down there. <laughs> like, he he no-butts her, you know? Right, like, she right, negates right. the logic and he just doubles down on it and makes it more complicated. Uh, yeah, he ends up breaking into, I mean, the meta levels now. He goes into an area that says it's for performers only because he thinks he's performing. Right. So now he's doing a performance in the room with all the people who are trying the, to pull off the, the actual assassination. The Russian, and so you've got the uh, the Russian doll where, like, if you click it one way, it's on, and click it the other way, it's off, and he keeps clicking. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's Bill Murray dancing. That's like that's a good. That's a gift. Bill Murray in a Russian hat. Always funny. That's funny. Don't they repeat the same bit in fucking Charlie's Angels? I think they realized his head looks funny with the hat on it. Yeah, I think they do. I think he wears the he hat. He's funny in Charlie's Angels. He is. Well, we'll have famously talk- right. like basically got punched in the face by Lucy when, Liu. When we wrap up this episode, we'll talk about what happens to Bill Murray after this movie. But that's kind of the end of. Okay, well then point. let's you know let's but, move on. But he also on Letterman a couple times he wore a fucking Russian fur hat like that. I think he knows he's got a head built for that hat. He's got a good. I'm I'm now looking up him with, like I just looked up. Bill Murray Russian hat. Yeah. I'm actually just getting a lot of Bill Murray wearing many kinds of hats. Yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, first of all, Bill Murray looks great in a hat. Second of all, someone make a Bill Murray Rusky comedy. Yeah, sure. Let's put him in that hat for the whole RT, baby. Give me a full 95 minutes of him in that hat. Yes. I'm just, I'm David trying to, I'm trying to think of other fun moments. Uh, so he, uh, what he thinks to be the evil scientist lady is uh-huh. actually just this lovely older couple. Oh, that's funny. Who are just like trying to like throw spice some, it up. Yeah, spice their That's like, a joke of, like, you couldn't do now. No. Yeah, him and him in the Nazi regalia. But it well, that's is the thing, funny. She's kink playing as a Nazi. Right. But right. it is funny because he, he's, she's just like, you've been very naughty, haven't you? He's like, yes. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're so English about it. But they're having a good time in, their, like, in their way. Because even before he takes her out of the room, there are four times that he walks in. Right. Where you see her whipping, and right. it never gets any crazier than that. It's just yeah. her in one position just, whipping. Dip, dip. He's a schoolboy. He goes, oh, oh, I'm been very naughty. Yeah. You know? It's funny. But yeah. he takes her onto the elevator, right, as a hostage with a real gun. Real you gun. You know? He doesn't know it. No, absolutely not. And then there's this lovely little uh, Asian couple, 
And he goes, oh, actually, we're just acting. And then he starts doing lines, like, to, like, just, like, again, playing out this, like, theater of life. Right. And he's he like, teaches them how to act. He's like, just got to be natural, be in the moment, right. respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you had your fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's fun about Bill Murray's performance in this, where he's right? just like, yeah, he's just like, look, this is, it's not hard. This yeah. is how you act. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. his head got sent home in a podcast. <laughs> I like the scene where Alfred Molina comes to him where he's trying to assassinate Bill Murray while he's doing the Russian dance, and then he ends up firing the arrow into the nesting doll, which right, then deactivates, which deactivates the deactivates thing. deactivates it, right. Um, oh, and the move that Murray does there is so funny. He he sees the thing on the doll. Then he looks out like if someone like had given him a rose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he has this like move where he's like, who did that? Yeah. What a nice gesture. And also Murray's killing it. I mean, it's like he's finally had his moment where he's performing in front of an audience and he didn't freeze up. And he says that to Gallagher. He's like, they were eating out of my hand. Right. Because there was the thing where he goes like, hey, do you mind if I take? Because he realizes he's the only one without the rushing mass and all. He takes it off the table. And he gets a laugh even from that. And he's right. starting to like come into his power. Uh, mm-hmm. But then Molina comes up to him afterwards and he's like, what just happened? I don't know. I feel weird. Yeah, nothing. Like a Charlie horse or something. Oh, or boy. there's an animal in my... Uh... It got a little spooky. M- muscle spasm, essentially. David looked like a like a ghost just grabbed his arm. That's how it felt. All right, carry on, carry on. Uh, Molina comes to him and he's like, "Game recognize game. Like, yeah, that, you're the best I love in the bit. Like that's I've been trying to kill you this whole gag. time. Yeah, that's always a good gag. Uh, uh, but he gives him his gun and he's like, you know, I this was given to me by the best shooter I ever seen, and he gave it to me, and you're the most impressive operative. You know, Molina's always good. He's right? always good. He's been better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't like totally pop. Yeah, because I'd forgotten. Nothing in this movie totally pops, if that's my yeah. criticism of it. I think Gallagher, it's all I think good. Gallagher, the best. Absolutely. Gallagher but and Murray pop, but like, you The know, one I'm... thing holding Gallagher back, I would say, the only running gag in this movie I'm not crazy about. I don't think it's terrible, but I just go, ugh, every time it comes up, uh-huh. is the, when Bill Murray calls him, it sounds like he's talking about a prostitute. Oh, sure. That yeah. gag's just like, we don't need oh, that level. Yeah, mm. If we're going to do that, too, I think a thing that takes me out of it is where he shoots yeah. the, 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 the female lead. Like, yeah. he shoots her. Yeah. And that's just really stupid. No one's that dumb. I agree. But, uh, yeah, Molina, you know, when I saw this movie when I was eight, I didn't know who Alfred Molina was. Sure. And so rewatching it and seeing Alfred Molina's name come up in the credits, I was like, oh, Molina's in there. I bet, he's, I bet he kills in this. And he watched it, and it's like, oh, Molina's, like, doing his job. You know, this is the same year he's in Boogie Nights, and <sighs> I feel like that's what begins to launch his... Yeah. Uh, sort of American career, really in earnest. He'd been in American yes. movies before, but that that takes him to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a real butcher sort of look about him. <laughs> You've made that clear, Ben. I feel like if if yeah, if All he right. ever needs like you know to pick up work, just give him a butcher. <laughs> actually, become a butcher. Yeah. Um. Do you want to take us to the end of the movie, Ben? You want to wrap it up? They, uh, he dismantles the bomb. Yeah. We sort of haven't mentioned there's like this justification for uh, really why the bomb is there because the Russians and the Brits want to get back together to basically have another Cold War because yeah. they want their weapons, you know, hungry kind of bad guys, you know? Yeah, they miss the Cold War. Well, they, we should also mention Peter Gallagher gets tortured. Yeah. He, he does get tortured. And that shocks him into realizing his life's been no good. All right. he's been chasing after is money, but he needs happiness. And his brother lives his life the way he wants to on his own terms, even if he does work at a blockbuster. Oh, there's that moment, too, where the brother calls up, where Bill Murray calls up and on speakerphone, which they don't turn off, keeps on describing what sounds like a sex session with a sex worker. And then everyone is aghast. All the Germans are aghast. And they go, uh, the, his wife goes, 
he's in show business. Right. And they go, oh, oh. okay. Yeah. Uh, funny, pointed. And then at the end, you've got a very funny little coda where like the CIA approach. Well, okay, we should also mention Bill Murray gets the girl and all the money. Yeah, he gets the girl and the money. But he approaches them on vacation and Bill Murray again. Uh-oh, he like knocks everyone out by mistake. They're like trying to poison him. And so they're like, we knew it. You're like the best the best agent there ever could be, and you got to join us. And he's like, cool, because he thinks like he's going to be in a movie. There he is. Right? Right, Ben? Like, well, I think he thinks he's being approached for, like, Hollywood. It's not clear. I I took it that way. I No, I, I think that's what it's supposed to be, but it's almost the thing where he knows that he was uh, the the guy who saved the day because he's sort of aware of the 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 newspaper article. Uh-huh. I feel like it's insinuated that he's aware of what he did, but then it's not clear even to me still at this I, point. I want to just believe that everything that happens around him, even after it, he can interpret it as part of the theater of life and thus is still just on the level like, yeah, people have got it. I'm a really great you actor. I believe that he never wises up, and thus the thesis of the movie is life is but a play. Are we all not but players on this stage that it. we call humanity? And in fact, if you treat life like play... Perhaps it frees you up to live the life you want. All he needed was pretend in order to become real. Do you know what I'm saying, David? We live cathartically through our media. And I want fresh flowers and ice. I want to shout out Richard Wilson, who plays uh, Roger Dagenhurst, you know, like the guy on the other end of the line, the British... Is he like the secretary of something or is he he's like the head of a spy agency? He famously plays Victor Maldrew on One Foot in the Grave, which is okay. was a very popular British sitcom in the nineties about a grumpy old man. Yeah. Who famously very one of those like British shows that seems like a cute sitcom, but like, you know, weirdly dark. But his catchphrase was, I don't believe it. And like in Britain, if you say that, everyone knows what you're saying. That's all. It's, it's a, you're having a laugh. But the weirdest thing about yeah. One Foot in the Grave, just to put this out there, is it was remade in America as Cosby, the Bill Cosby follow up to the Cosby show. Yes. Now, I think they tweaked it, yeah. obviously. But the, that show, like in the credits, says, like, based on One Foot in the Grave, like the BBC comedy. That's crazy. In which he plays like a grumpy old man. The Cosby, he was like grumpier. Yeah. He wasn't like friendly. Uh, this movie comes out in 1997. It bombs. 1998, Rushmore comes out. End of the year. And it's, I mean, this is phase three, right? This is the huge turning point. Yes. And then after this, the next couple of years, he plays a supporting role in Tim Robbins' Cradle Rock, Rock. Which he's good in, but that movie is a bomb. He plays Polonius in Hamlet. Which he's also good in. And that movie's okay. Yeah. He plays Bosley in Charlie's Angels, which was arguably the last big paycheck Bill Murray role. Basically, very funny, but clashes heavily with everyone on set. Hates working on it. They write him out of the sequel. Bernie Mac plays his role in the sequel. I went to see- Almost as funny. My family, we were big Nader supporters in 2000, and we went to the Nader rally at Madison Square Garden, and Bill Murray came up and gave a speech, and I remember this because it was amazing, but Bill Murray came up and he said, you know- Last thing you want to hear, some lefty liberal celebrities getting up telling you who to vote for. You know, I, I mean, it's presumptuous of me to assume that I have any sway, any power. And I was saying to my wife, I don't even want to come out here. I don't want to speak. I, I, you know, I think it's too much. Uh-huh. And then I remembered, Bill, you're Bosley in the new Charlie's <laughs> Angels movie. 
you have a rare power and responsibility. <laughs> and the whole bit kept on being like, you're no mere celebrity. You're sure. Bosley. Bosley. And yeah. the joke was so clear that he was so embarrassed that he was in that movie. I mean, this was like a month after Charlie's Angels had come out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but he's funny. He's, he's, he's funny or I guess it was Angels. a month before it came out. He's funny in that. But then after that, Royal Tannenbaums. Yep. Osmosis cast, Jones, which funny. was shot earlier, had a long post-production because it was animated. Uh, he His parts in that are terrible and belong to the sort of pre, the phase three Murray era. He was doing that as a, uh, I think, a favor to the Fairly, Fairly Brothers. Brothers. He clearly doesn't look happy in that movie. It's a unhappy. That The half that is live action is yeah. really unhappy. The animated stuff is pretty fun. I agree. Yeah. Lost in Translation, obviously. It's a big one. Big one. Gets what the did, Oscar. What and did, then, uh, what did uh, he whisper? Oscar nomination. What did he whisper? Shut up, Ben. <laughs> I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, now, he still I, I, makes some paychecks because he's got Garfield. Right, and but Garfield you've got to do two days of voice work. It's different, you know? But then but, but, my, most also, of it, there's that famous, like, apocryphal possibly story that Joel Cohen wrote. Uh, right. And he's like, oh, the Cohen brothers wrote this? All right, I'll do Garfield. But yeah. I mean, who knows if that's true. Uh, he, so he makes his, he makes like The Life Aquatic and yeah. The Dark Dealing Limited and all the Wes Anderson movies. He always pops up in Broken those. Flowers. So Broken Flowers. Broken Flowers with the thing. He's in Ling- uh, Limits of Control. He's in Coffee and Cigarettes. Uh, he does Zombieland, which was like his biggest like purely comedic performance. And it was, you know, like an uncredited but cameo. But it's funny. It he is rules good. in that movie. It is good. Uh, Get Smart, he's got one scene and he's really funny. But and The only th- funny part no, of that but, movie, no, Then I might even argue that somewhere around there. Phase around, 4 starts? No, I well, Phase 4 ends. And then, yeah, Phase 5, which is what we're in now, starts where it's like he makes these leading man roles Again, Hyde Park on the Hudson, like Hyde Park on Hudson, St. Vincent, St. Vincent, Rock and Rocks the Casbah, where you're just like, dude, what, what? This is your new career phase. He's in a weird space. I thought he was very good in the Jungle Book. I know a lot of people didn't. I really liked him in that. Why didn't you I guys like St. Vincent? I didn't think it was great. But I, thought, I thought it was, it was okay. It felt to me like the kind of movie that Bill Murray would have made it was fun of. Boring. You know, it, it was, felt it like was it was boring. too tidy at the end. It felt like it, it didn't own his irascibility enough. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. It it felt a little too sanitized. He's in like the Monuments Men, which is also kind of like that. He's fine in he, it. He's in a weird phase right now because he's no. I mean, he doesn't really seem to be that interested in being a comedic leading man. But the dramas he picks are odd choices. I think he either needs to find a new director maybe yeah. like a really good director who can maybe get something new out of him or perhaps make another very good movie with one of one of his guys that he works I was with right say, now. I mean he hasn't done a Coppola movie since Lost in Translation and also Wes Anderson's been giving him small roles he's been a company player lately he hasn't sure. had a meaty I mean Moonrise was his meatiest I mean, one Wes Anderson gave him the Life Aquatic which I feel like was that was his big role yeah. for Wes Anderson and that was notably a, a a difficult shoot. But you just yes. need yes. you just need the 800 number, right? And you can just call and leave a message? Sure. Yeah, I mean... Does I, any, do you guys know anyone? I, I have access to it. What? I don't think I've ever told you guys this. I have, you told me. I have the 800 number. Oh, oh shit. I, I just want to point out, he actually did do something with Sofia Coppola. He did a very Merry oh, Christmas right. with her. Yeah, right. Oh, I didn't like that. I didn't either. Nope. Um, I, so, like, six years ago, I was working at a summer camp that I referenced a lot before where I went as a kid and then taught... Make this fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we were having a really hard time getting kids to care about comedy. Oh. And I really thought, because we had a picture of Bill Murray hanging up in our little cabin. Okay. And I had the thought Where's one your, day, okay, yeah. my dad is close friends with one of the people who's in the Bill Murray kind of inner circle. Sure. Not, uh, you know, Howard Franklin or anything, but, but one of these guys who he does trust. I was trying to portmanteau his name with the universe and it wasn't working. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, and so my, da- my dad has the number. And I called him up and I said, I just have this crazy idea. Uh-huh. 
I feel like if he checked his voice machine. Called your dad up, you're being. Curious. I called my dad up and I said, I have this crazy idea. I feel like if the timing was right and he checked the voice machine on that day, mm-hmm. if I said, hey, we're at a summer camp in Connecticut. I'm trying to get 12 year olds to care about comedy and they won't give a shit. Right. Do you Would wanna... you want to come teach a workshop? Because we'd have the workshops and it'd be like, this guy used to go here and now he's a writer's assistant on this, you know? Yeah. At the very best, it'd be like, this guy writes on Weekend Update. And it's like, oh, cool. And I just love the idea of doing a secret workshop. And my dad gave me the number and he's like, I'll give this to you. Sure. I just want you to think about if you do it. Cause yeah, take your shot. You've you know? got one shot. And I know you have ambitions, you know, in, in so you didn't your do career. That's what you're saying. I've had this screenplay idea that I've never written. That I'm not going to say on air because I don't want anyone to steal it. What if this guy was in like a living theater play and then it turned out it got crossed over with like an action movie? I've always had this movie idea that I felt like was the best modern Bill Murray movie you could make. About a man who knows too little? A man who knows too little too. All right. No, I'm never going to say, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to air it. That's fine. But my notion was always, and I'll just say this, is there a way you can make a Bill Murray movie that marries the two sides of Bill Murray? Can you make a movie that owns both the sad sack, modern, you know, malaise Bill Murray mm-hmm. and the wild, crazy guy, Bill Murray? Sure. And I think I have an idea that works for that. Because I feel like if you could make a movie that has the pathos of current Bill it. Murray. We get it. We get it. We get and it. allows Bill Murray to be a fucking. You said it. You a said fun it. guy. You're we haven't repeating yourself. fun Bill Murray. You're repeating yourself. It's true we haven't. Someday I'm going to write that and I got the phone number and that's the call and this is the dramatic tease I'll do for something that probably won't pay off 15 years from now. Interesting. I also have some ideas I've been sitting on. Oh, baby. Let's all call him at the same time, once a day, every day. No, no, but we've got to make sure that this is a thing that we keep in the back of our minds, guys. No question, because I got the number. He's got the number. I got the number. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe you know. I'll, can I just maybe not today because we're we're about to wrap up here. But yeah, I'm gonna maybe I'll throw some log lines your ways, guys. Okay. All right. Some okay. Murray logs. We'll keep that. There'll be a new segment. I'm if gonna you want float something. a couple oh, logs okay. your way, okay. guys. Okay. Um, uh, we should play a box office game though. Yes. Great. Yes. But, 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 but go ahead. Uh, I'll do what I was going to say after we play box office game. Oh, you've got you've got some big thing. Planned. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. November fourteenth, okay, nineteen ninety seven is okay. the is the weekend. The movie opened to four point six million dollars at number five. <sighs> not it, good. It earned a total of thirteen point seven million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget. Even worse. Yeah, uh, that's a low good. budget. Wow. Yeah. There's no worldwide gross listed. I yeah. don't think this film had almost had almost any impact overseas. Okay, so this is a month before Titanic comes out. That's correct. Uh, this is in the you know ninety seven. It's a hot year, but uh, this is uh, it's it's not a great list. Okay, number Nin- one is an action movie, an R rated action movie starring a big action star. Franchise or a, a one off? It's a remake, actually. It's a remake. It's- you know, it honestly it stars two stars, but one big action star. Okay, one Who plays the villain. The big action star plays the villain. Mm-hmm. And the title role. Interesting. I don't know if you'll get this. Kind of a shrug of a movie. And the other person plays like the guy who's hunting the villain. Now, this is an interesting. I, I always am interested by the phenomenon of the bigger star plays the villain and thus gets top billing and kind of unbalances the movie. A little bit, yeah. You know, the Hunt for Red October thing, which I think is a good movie, but that's always that weird imbalance where sure. it's like Baldwin isn't, isn't at the fighting level. Which is usually yet. what that is, is like yeah. you've got the the more older star playing. But in this one, it's actually not true. Like, honestly, they're both about the same age. Interesting. But no doubt the villain is the bigger star. Okay. Especially for action. So it's not Schwarzenegger, not Stallone. I always have to ask no. that when we say action movie. No. 
Is it Bruce Willis? Yes. Is it the Jackal? Correct. Okay, cool. <laughs> the Jackal. <laughs> it took me a while to get it. Once the I got it, jackal. I got it immediately. <laughs> big hit. I mean, big hit movie uh, yeah. worldwide. Right. Not a huge hit in uh, America. Yeah. But open to 15 million. So okay. number two had been number one the week before. It's a massive, super violent sci-fi epic. Starship Troopers? Yes. One of my favorite movies. Fantastic film, which we will will you know one unquestionably day, cover it. one day do on this podcast yeah, unquestionably uh that was making 10 million in its second uh, weekend misunderstood it's time. friend of the show pilot oh it was so misunderstood very misunderstood i just rewatched it and i was blown away that's the uh, best it's friend good. of the show pilot vera was recently telling me that she that was like the first already movie she went to see because her parents were like what's well, like some sci-fi movie yeah go have fun like and she saw like a bunch and like that movie is like a ton of nudity as well as like yeah. really insane yeah. violence well because that movie's directed by paul verhoeven and right and and then later her mom watched it years later and she's like wait a second wait a <laughs> second you were seeing this <laughs> oh, what? uh number three is a reissue of a disney animated film 1997 i honestly didn't even remember that this got reissued this was the tail end of when they were doing reissues yeah um because that was for a long time disney wouldn't release their movies on home video or they would for a second and then put right. it back in the box. But the vault. reissues were the big thing. 97, can you tell me what era of Disney it was? It, Disney Re- Renaissance, you know. It was not that old a movie. Okay, so it was like an 80s movie? Yeah. Maybe? Was it Little Mermaid? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, they reissued that one, yeah. okay. you know. Yeah. Number four, you know, British comedies. They were they were in in there. I think I know what it is. What is it? A Full Monty? Nope. Oh, Fuck. Uh, but I bet the full Monty, the full Monty's hanging out in there. Okay, I got another. guess. I feel like the full Monty is about to make its like. I think sort it was a full. slow build. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got another guess. Bean. Yeah. Hells yeah. Bean. Ninety-seven. I remember pretty vividly. Yeah. Uh, which I saw in theaters for sure. Yeah. Ninety-seven was like one of the years where I started getting really serious about movies. You know. Okay. Sure. So you just started to go see movies like Bean. Yeah, well, yeah, I I saw Bean probably three times in theaters, but I also I'm not joking. Um, I people have I asked it. in the past why I like how I know all this shit. That not to I'm I'm gonna say this very quickly. Uh-huh. My father loves sports and he loves sports stats, and my brother and him could always talk about that. My yeah. brother wanted to be a sportscaster. My well, dad yeah, wanted to be a sportscaster. Right. Show, yeah. When Toy Story came out, and I loved Toy Story, and I saw yeah. that it was the number one movie in America. My dad was like, "Oh, you know, there's a box office." Right. And so every Monday morning when I woke up for school, my dad would take out the New York Times and we'd read the top 10. There you go. So, so it's a... all burned my memory because it was a bonding exercise with my father. And now I still do it and we talk on the phone on Mondays and go like, hey, what about that? Hey, Box Doctor out. Strange, good hold. Yeah, good hold. Good hold we talk weekend. about the hold. Good hold. My dad uh, and I talk about- Does your dad listen to the podcast? Absolutely not. He never Yeah, right. he better not. Jeez. Man Who Knew Too Little. <laughs> Ma- yeah, seriously. Man Who Knew Too Little was number five. So that's okay. your top five. Okay. Other movies in there, you've got I Know What You Did Last Summer. As good as it gets, is that in there? Uh, or does that come out later? Does that, that not come out until later. December? Okay. Yeah, it comes out later. You got the Devil's Advocate. Okay, uh, a lot of R-rated. <laughs> you know, that was the days where the fall was really like movies yeah. just suddenly got violent. Yeah, um, the Jackal. Uh, another Richard Gear vehicle. By the way, Richard Gear's in the Jackal. Um, yeah. Red Corner. I don't even know that one. That's like he went to China. And China was really fucked up, and like locks up journalists, like very anti-China. Yeah. And like I think Richard Gere is like banned from China. Please, please, please. Dicky Gear. Yeah, Dicky Gear. Okay. Um I kept I I realized this recently when I emailed um Sony, I think it's Sony. Yeah, uh-huh. Sony to Sony see pictures. to see Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, uh, if you you got any screenings for Billy Flynn's long halftime walk?" <laughs> Which is uh Richard Gere's character in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and they they to their credit did not correct me. Um Cool. Boogie Nights is in there. Okay. 
Eve's Bayou, Ooh. very underrated Cassie Lemons movie. I've never seen that. I need to see it. Fantastic I like Cassie Lemons a lot. piece of black yeah. cinema. Uh, Mad City. Oh, yeah. With, uh, that's the, it's Costa Gavras, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John Travolta, yeah. Justin Hoffman. A weird time. Scintillating yeah. uh, satire yeah. of the media. Yeah. Weirdest one in here? You've got like the full Monty. Yeah, one last one. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. Men in Black. I was going to guess. Leapt 700%. From the week before, because it added mo- like three hundred theaters. Yes, but this was a thing they used to do. It's already made two hundred fifty million dollars, but it just like bumps back in. I feel like I distinctly remember this, and from that fall. Yeah, because it had come out in July. This is uh, they would they November. used to do this thing that was like the summer movies in the fall. Right. Once they were like pretty much down, they do one last splash you to bring see them it again? out. Hey! And sometimes what they would do was they make it a double feature. So they'd be uh-huh. like, I know for, in two thousand two, both Spider Man and Men in Black two in like September, October, we're like done with their box office runs and they were like double feature, two for the price of one. And that was like number eight at the box office. Yeah. Was people sitting for three hours of Men in Black 2 and Spider-Man. David Mimed shooting himself in the head. So here's mm-hmm. the last thing I want to say today. Sure. Uh, a little housekeeping. Okay. In our previous episode, uh, oh, we talked about our next uh, miniseries, which is going to be Spielberg, the DreamWorks years, we, unofficial title, working title. Yeah, we might not do better. Dream working oh, title. you didn't do Ben's names. Yeah, because it's his episode. Oh, yeah, that's the reason. I just, I'm shocked that you didn't, even though I love you not doing it. You're them. shocked that I didn't say producer Ben? You're really, you're shocked that I didn't say the Ben Deucer, producer Ben, the Poet Laureate, the Haas, the Tiebreaker, Birthday Benny, the Fuckmaster, the Poet Laureate, mm-hmm. our finest film critic? Yeah. Joe and Katie recently told me that's their favorite one. Our finest film critic? Yes. White Hot Benny? Soaking Wet Benny? Birthday Benny? Dirtbag Benny? I'm repeating them. Sure. Keep you're shocked that I didn't wish him a hell of fennel? I'm shocked. You're shocked that I didn't mention that he's graduated to certain titles of the series. No, this is over why miniseries. I remembered it because I've got a couple ideas. Oh, fuck. That, I, that people have pitched to me. So well, you know, there's there's Ben Ben well, Wan Kenobi. Uh, Obi Ben Kenobi. Obi ben Producer Ken- Ben Kenobi. Producer Ben Kenobi. Kylie Ben. Ben, ben say Ben Ishamalan. Benny. Ben, say Benny. Ben say Benny. So for dot, the dot, James, dot. for the James Cameron now concluded James Cameron series. T Ben Thousand. I've heard T Ben Thousand. Sure. Joe Reed gave me unobtainy Ben. I thought something. it was Ben Obtainium. Ben Obtainium. Dan Daddario, who came up with Say Benny thing. Uh huh. Okay. Ailey Benz. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> and he DM'd me with trying to make this two for two. Yeah. Ailey Benz. It's <laughs> pretty good. Oh, God. Good, good. You gotta think good. this one over. So. Those are floating out there. Okay. Maybe we'll think of one more so we can have your classic Twitter poll, four-option Twitter yeah, but poll. but the problem is we're recording these episodes like five months in advance. We can't poll it because then they'll be like, you know what I'm saying? We could poll it. Oh, whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. Who gives a shit? Here's the plan. We'll do something. Yeah. We're, schedule's going to be a little weird. Okay? Schedule's going to be weird. Look. So this episode's coming on the tail end of a nice James Cameron miniseries, right? What's going on after that? The week after this, our next episode will be Rogue One. We're dipping back into Star Wars, right where we started. New Star Wars film we've always promised. Someone we've covered has a new project. We got to cover it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about Rogue One. What are we doing after that? Technically, we're going to be off for the next month, but releasing new episodes. We're going to give you some best ofs. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people jumped on blank check days. We want to show some respect for the Star Wars days. 
And for people maybe jumped on in a later blank check miniseries. 100%. Things like that. So we're going to give you one miniseries. Uh, uh, each of our Star Wars miniseries is going to have its own best of episode. We're going to give you a lot of the bits. This is going to be a lot of origin stories for where a lot of our great bits come from. So I guess, yeah, we're going to have a bit of a Star Wars, return to Star Wars. Because it's yeah. going to be Rogue One and then some Star Wars greatest hits. That'll be in January, guys. And then... And then M. Night Shyamalan's new film Split comes out. Yeah, baby! So Ben Night Shyamalan will come back... And then we'll talk about Split. We start Spielberg. And so at the end of January, yes. we're planning Spielberg, the DreamWorks years. We'll start with his one non-DreamWorks movie from the DreamWorks years, right? The Lost World, Jurassic Park. So just want to give everyone the fair warning. There's going to be a gap before we get to the next miniseries. You're not going to miss out on blank check content. You're going to get stuff every week. Yeah, it'll be fun, guys. Don't it'll worry be fun. About it. And also, come on, give us some time. We got to bank up because we're going to make sure we. Keep on releasing episodes while I'm while I'm ticking. Also, we're working on merch, guys. It's just yeah, I don't it's know if forever. it's it's we're trying to get our you know our uh, stuff in order. We'll see what happens. Well, the problem is it was about to dock into the port, and then Peter Gallagher made that phone call. Yep, yep. Consuela picked up, and now this all the ports are closed. We have we've had the blank check, the night mask. Sleep mask. So Ben, what's your next? It won't be a long. M. It'll be a long mask. time from now. It'll be a long time from now, actually, because Spielberg will take a while. Yeah. But uh, start thinking about your next Ben's choice. Yeah, it'll I be will. Seven months from now. I'm actually. I maybe I feel not like quite. Seven yeah. There's an aspect of me because I'm a goof. I, I don't take I don't take movies that seriously, Correct. you know. Yeah. But there was definitely a period of my time a time in my life where I was uh, studying to be a, a fiction writer and. Had sort of my like art movie phase. Okay. So I've I'm gonna you know I feel like we haven't done any like art artful kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's a tease for what's gonna happen next summer. <laughs> Maybe it'll be 500 blows. I mean, it'd be 400 blows shortly. No, he's stuck with the sequel. <laughs> uh, 400 blows. Well, that's that's a good tease for what's going on in the future. Ben's calling his shots. He's Great. gonna do an art house movie. Uh, tune in next week for Rogue One and then a nice Star Wars run before we go back into M. Night territory before I give you Spielberg. The DreamWorks year. We gotta do Split, man. It's gonna be the first time. I know. It's just, it's gonna be the first time we're doing like, you know, going back to the pool. Our little kids are growing up. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. Uh, and as always. Yes. Oh, shit. I, uh, I got one I want to say if you do don't it. if you don't no, want to no, yeah. please because I'm gonna do your favor here Ben I'm gonna answer a question you asked sure and as always Ben do you want to know what Bill Murray whispers to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation yeah producer Ben aka the Ben Deucer, aka producer Ben aka the Haas aka Mr. Positive aka the tiebreaker aka the fuckmaster he is not Professor Crispy he is our finest film critic. He is the poet laureate. He's white hot Benny. He's soaking wet Benny. He's dirt bike Benny. If you see him on the streets, greet him with a hearty hello fennel. He's graduated to certain titles over the series of uh, over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Say, and Say anything. I mean, they sped it up in post, so yeah. It didn't I was take gonna that say long. that's a lot yeah. uh, uh, to for him to whisper. Right, but I swear to God, that was the whispering. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I I mean, I wasn't even producing then, but I guess they knew. 
what was going to be. Look, I mean, that's what makes a great filmmaker. Sometimes you, you come upon happy accents. David's left the studio. Yeah, David's gone. David's gone. Well, hey, that was a good end to the episode. I think so, too. I felt like that was a fun one. Um, we didn't talk about politics too much, which is good, because by the time people are listening to this, they're, it's, they're not going to want to oh, hear about it. No It'll probably gonna, be new. Yeah, no one's going to want to hear us in the past talk about the terrible things that are currently happening right now. That's the thing, because they're going to be new terrible things by the time this comes out. I don't expect anything that's going to be resolved. It's just these terrible fears are going to be, they're going to look quaint. There's, like, he's going to have been like, here's the this is the department head of, uh, of babes. Right. He's yeah. going to have a babe department. Right. And it's, it's going to be Himmler. He's going to resurrect Himmler and make him the... I think we should cut this part. I don't know. I think we should double it. Great. Uh, here we go. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 